Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Candid Catholic Convos. It's 4th of July weekend, and the air is heavy with the smell of barbecues, sunscreen, and fireworks, all celebrating freedom. But did you know that Religious Freedom Week was this week as well? Religious freedom allows the church and all religious communities to live out their faith in public and to serve the good of all. From June 22nd, the Feast of St. Thomas More and John Fisher, to June 29th, the USCCB invites Catholics to pray, reflect, and act to promote religious freedom. If you're a history buff like me, you'll recall that both Thomas More and John Fisher were executed by order of Henry VIII during the English Reformation for refusing to accept him as the supreme head of the Church of England and for upholding the Catholic Church's doctrine of papal supremacy. They stood for their beliefs, even though it ultimately cost them their lives. But nowadays, it's hard to know what anyone stands for because of fear. Superman stands for truth, justice, and the American way. What do we stand for? What do we, as Catholics, stand for? And are we willing to fight for it? Today I'm chatting with Linda Carroll, an attorney and president of the St. Thomas More Society of Central Pennsylvania, about how ordinary Catholics can model St. Thomas More and fight for religious freedom in our daily 21st century lives. Linda, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to talk to you about this today. Um, the St. Thomas More Society is something that I just started learning about and the history and how far back it, where it, where it originated from. Um, I just think that's really cool. So would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Rachel. I am an attorney and at the present time I am retired. I am also the president of the St. Thomas More Society of Central Pennsylvania, and I've been active in that group for about 20 years or so, and this is actually my second go-around as president, so I guess they must have liked something I did. I don't know, but um, I'm also a wife, a mother, and the grandmother of nine children, so I keep pretty busy. Busy indeed. That's that's very exciting. Um, you kind of have like all facets of life covered. That's really cool. So tell me a little bit more about the St. Thomas More Society. What is it and why is it important? Well, the St. Thomas More Society of Central Pennsylvania anyway was started back about 1990. And it was started by a woman named Genevieve Blatt. And she was the first female judge or first female office holder, statewide office holder in the Commonwealth. So she first had a position in the cabinet of the governor, and then she was appointed to the Commonwealth Court when it was a new court. And so the Honorable Genevieve Black, along with a priest named Kevin Rhodes, who some may 
you know, uh, remember that Kevin Rhodes became our bishop in the Diocese of Harrisburg, and he is currently serving as bishop out in um, Notre Dame territory. And every once in a while, we have the privilege of having him come and speak at one of our events here. And it got started back then in order to sponsor what they call the Red Mass. And I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it's traditionally held at the time when court is to open, which is the beginning of October. And when I say the court, I mean the Supreme Court, but all of the courts tend to open their, their session uh, for that year in October. So the Red Mass is intended to pray for, for justice at all levels of uh, legalities, like all kinds of you know, legislation, um, court decisions, prosecutions, enforcements, that everyone who works in the legal field would do their jobs in a just manner and that justice would be served. And so that was something that dated back to the 13th century, actually. The Red Mass goes all the way back to like 1245, 1243, and I believe it was started by Pope Innocent IV way back then. And the idea is to seek the Holy Spirit to provide the gifts that the Holy Spirit offers us in the court system and the legislative system. So that's the, that was the original intention of the St. Thomas More Society here in central Pennsylvania. Now there are other St. Thomas More Societies throughout the country and they have similar missions. The primary one is to put on the red mask. But since we have done that for so many years, we started to do the feast day mass of St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher on June 22nd. And in 2012, this became really important because it coincided with something new called the Fortnight for Freedom. And the Fortnight for Freedom is now uh, the Week of Freedom, but originally it ran from the feast day of St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher to July 4th, which I thought was very symbolic and um, I don't know why it's been cut back to a week, but um, in any case, it was for some time a fortnight, and we kicked it off with our feast day mass. Um, we have a couple of other events that we do throughout the year to provide opportunities for fellowship among the membership, and that's, uh, you know, those things usually coincide with something in the liturgical calendar, such as Advent or Lent. Um, actually, something really interesting um, for the last, I would say, probably eight years now, the St. Thomas More Society, which is predominantly lawyers and judges, um, people in the legal profession, have been working with the Catholic Medical Guild, which are doctors and allied professions, to put on a retreat during Lent. And it's always like there's a little joking that goes on, banter back and forth, like whoever thought doctors and lawyers would, you know, get along so well. And, you know, so um, it, it's been a very a good relationship that we have forged here in central Pennsylvania between those two groups. That is really cool. Talk about like a great meeting of the minds with, you know, doctors and lawyers getting together. And I had no idea. I knew about the Red Mass. But I had no idea that the St. Thomas More Society was in charge of of, of all of that. Or, or I love that it it falls 
right when the courts are opening, like when, when, when everybody needs the most prayers, because Mm -hmm. they're making some really hard decisions. I want to back up a little bit um, to what you said about uh, religious freedom and religious freedom week. And I, I agree with you. I think that having it lead all the way up to the 4th of July was, was pretty symbolic, but now, now that it's down to a week, talk to me a little bit about religious freedom. What does it mean to defend religious freedom and why did the church decide to dedicate a week to it? Unfortunately, the reason for the fortnight to freedom was because our government started to pass rules and regulations that were contrary to the Catholic faith. In particular, the health and human services started to mandate that the, the healthcare professions um, insurance companies, employers provide, originally it was uh, contraception and sterilization through their insurance plans. And I, uh, maybe some of our listeners might be familiar with hearing about the Hobby Lobby case or the case involving the Little Sisters of the Poor. And those cases, that litigation went on for a very long time, all the way up to the Supreme Court. And fortunately, there was victory in the Supreme Court in those cases, but of course the rulings tend to be limited to the people that were involved in the cases in some respects. So even though it's a victory, it's not necessarily a complete and total victory. So for example, in the Hobby Lobby case, because Hobby Lobby was a closely held family company, they were not required to provide uh, um, contraception in the sense of uh, the birth control pill because the birth control pill was an abortifacient and so they said that violated our Christian beliefs and because you could not really separate the company from the family that owned the company the court said it would be a violation of their rights to require them to do this but of course, that is not that kind of ruling is not going to apply to a Fortune 500 publicly traded company, right? So then there's the Little Sisters of the Poor case, a similar kind of thing, trying to require the sisters to provide insurance coverage to include certain things that Catholics um, object to or that were taught are violations of our faith. So that was the original impetus, was when the government started to pass these regulations. That began in 2012, and then over time, with different leadership in the White House, there was a reprieve from some of those things. Um, But now, HHS, in the last two years, has been issuing one mandate after another, covering so many things. You know, today, they are trying to mandate um, abortions and transgender surgeries and things like that, um, as to the extent that they possibly can do it. Um, and I think that they are reaching, uh, I should say overreaching. There are some, some language in the Supreme Court decision, um, Bostock, which has to do with employment. And actually that was a Pennsylvania case that they, that the court specifically says in the decision, that it is a very narrow decision that is just for these particular, you know, people in this particular cir- type of circumstance, that it is not 
to be used to apply broadly to all kinds of cases, and yet that is what HHS is doing to justify these various mandates that they are putting out there. So it, it, the government is the one that made this important. That's very that's very fascinating. And I remember, especially the Hobby Lobby case of all the, for lack of a better term, drama that it caused among um, my peers and who agreed and who disagreed and, you know, talking about freedom and justice and what was right and what was wrong. And thankfully, the Catholic Church has has kind of very clear definitions that we've we've stuck to for 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 better or worse essentially. But I think the definition sometimes gets mixed up with the societal definition, or we lose sight of the Catholic definition, because society one like, is louder. Could you talk a little bit about how the church defines justice and freedom versus how we define it as society? Because it seems like they are very much at odds with each other. They are. They really are at odds with each other. And I think, you know, what you what you just said, um, I think a lot of the problem for the common person is a lack of a classical education. And so sometimes it's even difficult to understand what the Catholic faith is teaching because you don't have the background in your education to understand it. You don't, you never studied philosophy. You've never studied, it's almost as if everything was invented today and all thought was invented today. And um, one of the things that I've, I've done for the, for well, on and off for a long time, probably about 15 years altogether, was to teach sixth grade CCD, uh, which they now call prep. And one of the things I always told my students is, when we study mathematics, we don't all start from scratch, sitting there all by our little selves trying to figure out, you know, that, oh, if you take one and you take another one, you have two, you know, and try to bet. No, we use what people before us have figured out and we study it and then we try to advance it. And it's no different with thought. When you, when you are trying to, um, think about issues like freedom and social justice, you need to go back and study what was said about it. You don't just invent it in your own little head. And kind of what's happening today, I think, are people are inventing it in their own head. You ask the common person, well, what is freedom? It's like, oh, well, I can go to the movies when I want to. I can watch whatever I want to. I can wear whatever I want to. Nobody can tell me that I have to wear, you know, you know, a pants or a dress. Nobody can tell me that I I can't wear have tattoos everywhere and nose rings and because you know, this is freedom. I, it's a free country. I can I can do all of those things. Um, you know, I can carry on in the street if I want to. I can carry on carry on on the lawn of the White House if I want to. Um, you know, all of these things. This is what they think is freedom. But the Catholic meaning of freedom is the right to be able to do those things that are necessary for you to fulfill your obligations to God, to your family, to your community. And what are those obligations? 
they are things like to be able to to work and earn money so you can feed your family, to be able to worship your God, and and to do the things that your religion commands of you for your Creator. You know, it's a very very different. I mean, the the idea of freedom in that respect of the freedom to you know we say well the freedom to to work to make a living for your family. If you go back in history, there was a time, you know, when there was a caste system in some countries, there was a class system in other countries, you did not have the freedom to go from one type of livelihood to another. If your livelihood failed, you, you, you failed. You were dead. I mean, if you think about all the Irish peasants who were basically tenant farmers, you know, they did not, their crop failed, they couldn't pay their, their rent, they were pushed off the land and basically starved to death. I mean, that was that society. So when we say freedom in the Catholic understanding, those people would have had the freedom to do something else with their lives. They did not have that then. They did not have that under those circumstances. So not knowing history, not being able to put the kind of definition that the Catholic Church puts on these words is a lot of the reason why there's such a misunderstanding between the use of those words, between the faithful and society today. Um, and as far as social justice is concerned, um, it's more to be able to fulfill the teachings of Christ, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, educate the ignorant. That is, that is social justice in the Catholic understanding. Um, very different from the social, social justice that, that they're talking about today in the culture. Yes. Like we hear a lot about like cancel culture and anybody who doesn't agree with us, like they're considered an outsider. And it's, it's fascinating to hear that, that the Catholic definition is, is much more broad. It's much more like, no, this is how to be a decent human being. Um, not necessarily to be like, well, this is America and because it's America. I saw that and I want it and it's mine, which I think is disheartening to see so many people with that misunderstanding nowadays. And, um, and I talk about this all the time, but my husband's in the army. So his job is to preserve these freedoms that we have as a society. But when I, when I think of preserving liberties and freedoms, you know, like I personally think of like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison or St. Thomas More and St. Anselm, definitely not me <laughs> because I don't have the means or the position or the opportunities that, that they did, or like my husband has who was in the army. So how do us ordinary Catholics, how can we work towards preserving religious freedoms so that we can educate future generations? Oh, okay. Well, one of the things, the first thing, of course, is to pray. Go to Mass, sacraments, um, adoration, all of those things so that you are prepared, um, that you get the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you are strengthened to be able to be a witness. And that is what we are called to be, right? Witnesses. 
And then how do you witness? Um, it could be as simple as, as I know a lot of us were, well, people in my age group anyway, we were taught when you pass a church, Catholic church, because the body and blood of Christ is there in the tabernacle, you make the sign of the cross. Every time you go past, if you're walking, if you're in a car, you make the sign of the cross. I know my granddaughter was taught in school when she hears an ambulance or a siren, make the sign of the cross. It's a short, little, simple, on-the-spot prayer that you can do anytime. If you're in a group of people and you hear a siren, are you going to make the sign of the cross? If you want to stand up for religious freedom, do it so that you are visible so that they know that you are there. Somebody might ask a question, why are you doing that? And that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to explain what being a Catholic is in just a couple of words. You know, well, it was a prayer because someone's in trouble. And so I'm praying for everyone, you know, that is in trouble and those that are assisting them that it turns out okay. You know, very, so that they know who Catholics are because today they don't. Even Catholics don't know who Catholics are. And it's, it's very frightening, especially the Catholic politicians. They don't know who they are anymore. Great, a great lack of catechesis. So that those kinds of things, of course, anything that you would do, you would need some knowledge. As I, so you need to spiritually um, prepare yourself, but you also have to prepare yourself um, intellectually, which would mean you need to uh, know what is going on. So to know what's going on, that's what these things are going on around us all the time, every day. And you might not know about it. And how do you know about it? You have to listen to uh, or read the news sources, the news media that is going to tell you about it. And that is not going to be the mainstream media. They're, they're not going to tell you. Um, you have major initiatives coming out of HHS, and there's not a word about it. Um, now, I don't expect that uh, everyone is going to be you know, scanning the federal register every day to see what's coming down the pike. But if you listen to stations like EWTN, if you watch EWTN on television or you read the uh, Catholic Register, the National Catholic Register, or you um, relevant radio out of Philadelphia, you know, there's a, a variety of Catholic news organizations out there that will Speak about the things that are going on so that you can be aware. There are also, I get a ton of emails from Catholic organizations that will say, hey, this is happening, sign this petition. You know, this is happening, sign this petition. And to, you know, I wish I knew how you, how I actually got on those emails because I really don't know. And I get so many of them. But you know, the, the, the point is that if you get out there and start getting love, they, they will probably find you. And then, you know, you can, you can uh, get educated that way that something is happening. A great source for knowing what's going on on the federal level is United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. You get on their website, website of uh, the USCCB website, you just put USCCB in the Google or you know, whatever your browser is, and the site will come up and they have, you know, a button there to inform you about things that are going on and 
what you can do. And there would be, you know, they would explain it. They have, you know, a lot of information there. And I think that's a great resource that people aren't using. Um, some people don't even know that it's there. You know, so that's another thing I was teaching my sixth graders. It's like, this is there. You know, if you ever need, you know, to find something, go there. You can find things. Um, so I would recommend that people check out that website because they'll, especially on the federal level, they will have a lot of information. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps you know, if we have something on the diocesan um, website that would be similar, that would show people what initiatives are out there. I know every once in a while, the diocese does send something out in email that says, hey, contact your legislators because here's this assisted suicide bill that's making its way through. You know, tell them you don't want to um, have this approved. Most of the time when you get something like that, it will give you an opportunity right then and there to contact your legislature just by clicking a couple of buttons. And, you know, it will tell you who your, who your representatives are, you know, by putting in your zip code or something. And then it's, it's, it's all kind of automated. So it's so much easier than in the old days when you had to write a letter. And actually, it's more effective because the letters today are all being held back for, um, they're scanning them for things like, um, anthrax and, you know, other, biochemicals. So any letter you send is going to be delayed, whereas the email is going to go right through. And so and you ha usually have an opportunity when you get those things to write your own message, which I usually do when I get them, because the more um, differences in language they have and the more points of view that are actually uh, highlighted, um, the more serious they would take it. If they get a whole bunch of rubber stamps, then they say, um, yeah, well, that's one thought. But if they get a whole bunch of, you know, people took the time to write a few words themselves, then they take it more seriously. Then they really count you as a voice out there that's adamant about what you're talking about. I love that. And I I wish I could remember some of the sites, but I've I've seen some of those sites where it's like you type in your zip code and it tells you every single representative and it even gives you their phone number. There are a lot of sites now that will have like a pre-made script so that you can mm -hmm. call and leave a message for their staff and say like, hey, I'm a constituent. This is what I'm concerned about. You don't need to call me back, but I just want my voice. I want you to know that mm -hmm. I'm that uh, this is something that concerns me. PCC, yeah, the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference is another great resource mm -hmm. that I've seen mm -hmm. their Facebook page. They're always posting about things that are happening uh, at the, at the state level. And like, and I like that it's very non-biased, like, yes, it's the Pennsylvania Catholic conference, but I can look and it just says, it just gives me the facts. That's mm -hmm. all I want. Just give me the facts. And then I can make my own conclusion versus like right. the mainstream media where they're like, no, this, we think this is wrong. So you should think it's wrong too. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, another thing that people can do that I would like to mention is listen. When they have a situation where somebody else has a point of view, you, you can't do anything to help to change that person's mind unless you have first listened to it. And, and, and I mean sincerely listen, and then you can take an opportunity, um, when, when it's available to kind of 
you know, gently nudge somebody. Um, you know, I've had situations where I've been, I, I listened to somebody for half an hour talk about why they left the Catholic faith. And it all had to do with one sermon that one priest gave at one mass. And she thought it was hard hearted and just couldn't believe what she was hearing in church. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what this priest said, but I know this person and it's my intention um, since I had listened to her so intensely that I will have an opportunity to go back and say, well, you know, one person isn't the church. You know, even if that person's a priest, because your eye is supposed to be on Jesus and the Eucharist. And, you know, talk about, oh, I think, what was it? Was it St. Dominic? I'm not, I hope I didn't get it wrong. I don't want to get the wrong saint, but, you know, this priest had a terrible reputation for doing all these awful things. And people went to St. Dominic, if it's the right saint, and said, you know, he, this, this priest is awful, you know, he shouldn't be, da, 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 da. and St. Dominic went up to this priest and kissed his hand, because he said, from this, from this, I get the Eucharist. So in other words, it's like this person and who he is as, as a human being isn't what matters. You know, it's, it's Jesus and the Eucharist and the sacraments that matter, and you can't get it anywhere else. So, you know, you kind of have to, you know, well, maybe you want to change your parish. Okay, you know, but do you have to leave the church altogether? That's, you know, maybe, and now she, and the reason she started talking about it was because she was sorrowful that her adult children, which in this day and age, to have your children actually follow the faith is, an amazing thing because the pressure for them not to was so great. And after she pulled away from the church, her children, you know, now they, they're adults now, young adults, and there's no uh, faith there at all. There's no uh, Christianity. And she's thinking, well, maybe if I had been in a different church, they would still be, you know, going, but there's, there's nothing there. So she feels badly. And that's what started the conversation. That's why she started talking about it. Um, and anyway, that, so that's, that's something that I think that people need to do as well is listen and dialogue with others one-on-one -on -one when they have the opportunity, uh, when the door is open. Take advantage of open doors, mostly by listening and then responding. Um, because I think that go, that goes a long way. Absolutely. What's the saying that God gave us two ears and one mouth mm -hmm. so we can listen more and talk less? Mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> so I want to, I want to back up a little bit because we talked about religious freedom week and how it used to be all the way up until July 4th, but it, it no longer is. And how symbolic that was because it is our, our nation's independence day, our freedom from the tyranny of England at the time. 
and we're we're about to that time of year again um it's coming up on tuesday i believe and it it's just a time that we're just reminded of the principles that our our country was founded on and history says that since then we've lived in a time of free thinking and personal opinions but i would argue and you and i have talked about this that we and especially as catholics are living in a time of mob mentality and monitoring our opinions where our opinions are either met with approval or disapproval and in order to be equal you have to you have to hide what you believe in especially if it goes against what everybody else believes so like saint thomas more how can we be true to our faith and show the value of religious freedoms in our lives mm. well um there are there are different ways and everyone really has to find their own way but mostly you're talking about needing courage you know you need courage um and one of the things I don't think I mentioned before was a way to witness is, you know, do you say grace when you're having a meal at a restaurant in public? You know, that's something that I didn't always do. And my husband and I have, st have started to do it a number of years ago. And, you know, it's, it doesn't really attract a lot of attention, but every once in a while, somebody will, well, we'll, we'll see. And it's a witness. So there are and things like I said about making the sign of the cross. You can be driving in a car with other people who don't, who aren't Catholic. You make the sign of the cross. They're going to be wondering what you're doing and why. Um, and you're witnessing. Or they might even know what you're doing and why. You know, it's doing things like you go away on a trip with other people and you get yourself out of bed and you go to Mass on Sunday while you're on vacation with others who are not Catholic. Um, I do that all the time. I Unfortunately, I have a, a family of fallen away Catholics, of my siblings. And when I'm at family functions and everything, I go to, I go to church and, you know, they, they, you know, once in a while they'll say a little something that they think they're being funny, whatever. Um, but most of the time, you know, they, they don't really understand, but they're intrigued by it. You know, they don't understand it, but they're intrigued by it. Like, why, why is she still doing this? Why is she doing this? You know, why does she do this? Why don't I do this? How come she's the only one out of all of us that actually does this? So it's kind of something that you, it, it gets people thinking, you know, it start, it, even if it's only for a few seconds, they're thinking. And I think that that's, that's something that's, that's helpful. And it doesn't take, you know, sometimes it takes more courage. Then I do, if you feel like out of place because you know you're wearing you're wearing a crucifix and you know that things have been said. I mean, we have heard horror stories. You know, we've heard horror stories about things that are happening to people. All of it is a witness. And so it's and you know you can St. Thomas More. You know, like I said, he he had a lot of courage, but he also kept his eye on the prize. You know, he had his faith and he wanted to go to heaven. I mean, that's what it was all about. Sometimes we forget that. And we forget that this earthly life is so temporary. And so St. Thomas More said to his daughter, because they were trying to encourage him to kind of take a loophole where he was sort of had, you know, one foot in and one foot out. 
and he said, you know, I'm, uh, what, so I can live another 15 years here on this earth? He said, and, and what? Trade what? Trade away eternal happiness in heaven for that? He said, as a lawyer, that would be a very bad bargain. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And that's why, but he was scared. He was afraid. You know, he has letters to his, his daughters and he's praying for the courage to stay the course. He watched John Fisher walk the walk to his death out of his window um, in the prison and knew that in a couple of days he was next. And he just prayed and prayed that he had the courage to, to see it through. And that's what we all have to do. We have to have courage now. There was a time when we took it all for granted. In, in a historical perspective, it was a very short period of time that we could do that. Historically, you know, we, we had persecution for a long time. And those of other faiths, you know, the, the history of the Jews is you know, persecution everywhere they went all the time. And, you know, we will... We will have to, we will have to deal with it and we will need the courage. I love that. And I love the simple, just, I hate to say basic because it's not necessarily basic, but it's, it's something that everybody can do the way it is making the sign of the cross. I remember doing that in, I learned in first grade, anytime you hear an ambulance, like, or anytime you heard a siren, you make the sign of the cross, say just as simple as saying grace when you're out at a restaurant or just, I like the, you know, anytime you pass a church, I hadn't heard that one. Um, It's so, you don't have to be beheaded like Thomas More was. I mean, if it came to that, like, could we actually, could we do it? And you're right. Like we need like the cowardly lion, like we need courage. We need to believe that this is all for a greater purpose in the end, eyes on the prize. I, I love the way you, the way you phrased that. There are some among us who, who have been um, sacrificing, you know, they, and mostly it, they're not, yeah, they're not beheading people, but they're cutting off your economic freedom. They are taking away your job. They are firing you because of nothing, something that does nothing to do with your, your performance as an employee, but because of something that was an expression of your faith. And people have gotten fired and they have done the right thing by suing so that they go to court so that the courts have been able to uphold their right to religious freedom. And uh, this is something that the legislative branch wants to, seems to want to put uh, restrictions on they want to keep it as an act of worship in your church and nowhere else. So you cannot live your life in a Christian way. You have to live your life the way they want you to, which is the opposite. Uh, we talked earlier about what is freedom. It's the opposite of freedom. So they're trying to say, well, you're going to have all this freedom. Everyone has to have all this freedom. And at the same time, they are taking it away. And if they're going to take it away from Christians, they are going to take it away from everyone else. And this is not new. People need to understand that this is not a new tactic. This is a tried and true tactic that has been used in many places in the world, 
it never ends well. It never ends well. And, you know, people, again, it, you have to be educated. You have to see the signs. You have to know history. You have to be able to put it all together and say this, nothing, nothing is new under the sun, right? So this has happened before and it doesn't bode well for us. So people, all people have to stand up and stick together because if they're going to take my freedom away, they're going to take yours away too. And then there's tyranny. And, you know, and that's kind of what it is when you're, when you're working somewhere and you know, they're going to take your job away if you don't bend and do something against your faith. That's tyranny. So we all have to stand up for each other. Absolutely. It's it's so necessary nowadays to stand up for what for what you believe in and to stand up for your fellow man. Is there Anything else about the, um, the St. Thomas More Society that you would like to share with us? Like, how, how do you become a member, for instance? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, because we had a re- recently, last year, we did a membership drive where we went to, we visited about 11 parishes. And this year, this fall, we're going to try to hit a few more. Um, and each year, we're going to try to visit a couple of parishes to say, hey, we're out here you know, if you want to join. But the the good news is that you do not have to be a lawyer or a judge or someone because these issues we're facing today are so important. And they, they affect everyone. So everyone has to be a St. Thomas More, right? Um, that we have an associate membership for people who are not in the legal profession, um, but who would like to, you know, participate with us in our prayers, our fellowship, and um, and also have an opportunity to learn from us some of the things involving the law that are happening now and today. So we can explain court cases, we can have some you know programs, and we're trying to focus a little bit more on that than we have in the past. Um, we send out some mass mailings that will have you know just little blurbs either about St. Thomas More or about something that's happening. Sometimes we send out an alert, hey, there's an HHS, HHS mandate, if you are interested, and we give them a link to either the USCPB website or to some other website where they can get more information and perhaps respond if they're interested. Um, just informational. And um, the other thing I did want to point out, oh, how you become a member, um, we do have a, a website. It, it was under construction for some time, but we do have a website. And if you just put into your browser, St. Thomas More Society of Central Pennsylvania, our website will come up. Um, and the one thing I did want to say, I would be remiss if I didn't, is that about eight years ago, a couple of very ambitious young attorneys uh, one in Kansas and one in Texas found each other and they both had the same idea and they got together with a couple of others to start a national organization. And that is called the Catholic Bar Association. And the intent is to be an alternative to the American Bar Association because the American Bar Association is very un-Catholic. 
And so they needed an alternative. And every year they have put on a fabulous um, conference full of CLEs, like continuing legal education credits. And um, they, they have a lot of material that comes through. We do spiritual messages and things like that. And so the idea is for all of the St. Thomas More Societies of, of, of the country to join under this umbrella so that we can communicate with it. We know who we are. We know we're out there. We learn about each other, you know, because really we were isolated before. We were just the St. Thomas More Society of Central Pennsylvania. But we have joined that society. In fact, we were the first ones to join. We were the very first. And now there's um, 11 or soon to be, I think, 15. And it's, so it's continuing to grow. It had a little hiccup during the pandemic, like everybody else. You know, everything kind of stopped. But it's growing and taking on momentum. And we have an opportunity to share with each other. You know, what does your society do? What does our society do? How can we help each other and share? Uh, so... I did want to mention the Catholic Bar Association and the good work that they are doing. And uh, they are also working to form new St. Thomas More societies where none exist, so that the Catholic lawyers in those areas will, will be able to find each other and have fellowship there. So um, I hope I answered your questions about the society. And you absolutely did. You know, and you know, and a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know, I didn't come to my understandings overnight. My journey, my spiritual journey, which of course is ongoing, um, was a bit circuitous. You know, I didn't, you know, have a nice straight line shot through. But I don't know that anybody does. <laughs> I don't know that anybody does. Um, I might know one or two that you know. Um, had a straight shot, but um, I did not. And like I tell my, back to my sixth graders again, confirmation is not graduation. <laughs> you know, confirmation is like the beginning of something. It's the beginning of your full membership in the faith. And with that comes an obligation to learn it, to study it, to catechize yourself, and to get a well-formed conscience. And you know, that's one that's part of this religious freedom idea, freedom idea altogether is, you know, you need a you have the right to your well formed conscience. All right. Not just anything that comes in your head is your conscience. So there's a difference. And we as Catholics have an obligation to form our consciences. And that means study, reading, um, if you're not a reading kind of person, take advantage of the various programs offered in the various dioceses. They are out there. You know, back in the day when I was a little kid, they weren't out there, but they are out there now. You know, they're all, there are things online. Um, so there's really no excuse um, not to be educating yourself so that you, you know, have a well-formed conscience and you can fully participate in protecting your own religious freedom. I love that. Linda, thank you so much for, for, for all the knowledge you just dropped on us, for all of the insight. And, and I'm 
really fascinated by the St. Thomas More Society. I hope that um, people go check it out. And I will drop the links that you mentioned in the show notes so that people can just go right there and sign right up. And I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate it. It was a great opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.